Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today I have Tracy Lamori with me from Hamilton, Canada. Thank you for coming today, Tracy. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yes. So Tracy and I don't know each other in person, so I'm going to let her lead the way here. So Tracy, if you can just go ahead. Okay, what I do know about you is that you have been working from home for 25 years. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that you can really lead with. So if you don't mind, just kind of like chunking through that journey a little bit and like Absolutely. go way, if you can go way, way back and just talk about how you got started and then yeah. how that ch- has transitioned. I'm just going to let you take it away. For sure. And I've been working from home since way before, you know, when when everyone wanted to work from home, but it was like a dream that people would, you know, send away for $50 for one of those little things. Work from home, some companies that will let you stuff envelopes or whatever it was. But I really lucked into it. You know, I had been, I mean, I was just doing in those days much different from now. now let me just quickly say. To, to frame it all, we're going to take you from, you know, my early days as a, you know, telemarketer doing contract work, literally telemarketer. And then how I, for one company that lucked me, that I kind of lucked into the work from home life. And then I fell in love with it and was like, I don't know how I could go back to call centers, et cetera. And then I kind of sold myself, you know, to people who were looking at for telemarketing, but hadn't thought about working from home. So mm-hmm. I'll give some tips there about how I convinced people who weren't looking for work from home people back in the nineties when it was not a thing. Right. To let me work from home and then from there I segued that because at the same time I was an activist doing other stuff at home and I kept doing the telemarketing from home so I could control my time and do the other stuff that mattered right and then anyway now some of the, all that stuff led to what I'm doing now which is completely different what I started from for the last decade I've been a publicist and now I'm an international award-winning global publicist including so I'm either like in the basement office working from home. Now it's COVID, so I'm here all the time. But even pre-COVID, 80% of the time, basement office, working from home, can't get me away from the house. 20% of the time, international travel and VIP parties. A oh, really wow. nice balance, right? But anyway, back in the day when I started, that wasn't the case. But um, it's part of the trajectory of where I, you know, how I ended up where I did. That I was at home and not in an office working a nine to five, right? So... Wow. So let's go way, 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 way. Let's go way back with that. Yeah. With that, with that intro. Okay. So back in the day I had worked in, I was working in call centers doing market research and telemarketing. And, um, we ended up unionizing one of the call centers, just me, my husband, and like one of the other people there. Cause you know, call centers can be really call centery and you know, nobody got the right hours and it was all kinds of messed up. And you know, so we ended up calling in the union, which didn't exist in call centers, but we called in steel workers, blah, 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 and got the first call center in North America unionized. Funny thing is literally when that happened, I had no intention of doing that and then literally leaving, <laughs> you know, but that's probably what it looked like to them. Cause as soon as that happened, I had lucked into applying for, I lucked like literally the week that had happened, I applied for another job just because it was better paying and it was saying you could work from home. And I was like, what, this can't be right. But it looked legit. And it was, what it happened was a small publishing company and I can't even remember their name at the time, but they ended up selling them, selling and selling and becoming whole, but you know, being merged into like a giant corporation and everything but anyway um but what at first was this guy who owned it like a gentleman who owned it and he'd had one of his friends working from her house calling their repeat customers and it worked really well for them i thought oh gee that's neat we don't have to have overhead you know the thing people are learning now this is in 1994 and they were like, oh, look, we don't have to have the overhead. I can get, you know, I don't have to pay a manager. I can just hire somebody else like my friend here who's a self-starter, who can just do like my friend at the end of the week, tell us their results. It's smooth. 
I lucked into that job. And I just fell in love with the whole working from home. Back then, I wasn't a mom. I was just 26 years old. I had nothing keeping me from going into an office. But the fact that I was able to do that made me able to work on my other passions, which at the time was activism and a radio show we had back in the early days and stuff yeah. like that. I was able to do things. I worked hard. I worked more than eight hours a day, mm -hmm. but I worked it. I was able to fit it into you know my own time. If I needed to stop for an hour... I'd stop for an hour and work an hour earlier, an hour later, work through lunch, you know. So a lot of freedom, even though it was contract stuff. So let me just recap. So at the very beginning, like when you finished your schooling, you started just working in like an office building with the teleworking, mm -hmm. telemarketing market Customer research. service first yeah. and then telesales market research. And, and yeah. then you found a work from home position that looked more legitimate than you had seen before. And yeah, and yeah, this looked like it's seeming like a real company. Like God, like huh? Let's go sit, have an interview it's in a real office. And sure enough, they were like, "Yep, yeah, we're just hiring one or two people to do what my friend, whoever was doing for us until she retired or stopped doing it." They wanted to keep that up, and that worked really well. So, so at first it was just that one company. So I, they called it contract, but I was pretty much work, you know, pretty much an employee. Looking back on it, okay, they were my only client. They, I didn't think of them as a client. They they gave me the work to do. I did the work. Again to them they were my only income right and and then you mentioned something else you said something about you were helping create that union but that you said american so you're in canada but you were working for an american call center is that right um no the the call center i think no, no, I think that was just Canadian. Sorry, I must, I might have misspoke or might have been confusing one from another. But yeah, no, the call center was Canadian, but um, I was doing American advocacy work, you know, for okay. some justice work and stuff like that. So we'd already always had like, but that wasn't paid work. That was, you know, stuff I was doing when I wasn't getting paid, stuff I could take an hour off to do, right? I wondered if your helping pull that union stuff together helped you feel prepared to do that social justice work is that was was there a I think it's there? funny because we had done that my husband and I had done a radio show just before that and I think it was all sort of around the same time we were just really like you know young activists like you know oh we'll we'll save the day we know we can. oh yeah we'll do this and so I remember that the union thing was funny in the call center just as an aside because the one of the managers said oh to me oh I've been hearing union since I started here and I don't know where I got the confidence of 24 to be like but you've never heard it from me, though. And she's like, <laughs> and like a week later, we had the vote and it was like 97 percent. Not only a crazy yes vote, the union themselves were like, because they had never had a vote that, you know, high. Wow. And, the, and the company thought that they couldn't get it because we were just call center employees. And they didn't think we knew that they also had mall employees. And anyway, we ended up being strategic, which you lose later. We use later in public relations. It's always and, you know, even in just whatever you're doing. It's, but as a freelancer, figure out the only reason I'm in PR now. You know, you figure out that next step. Everything you do, take, take that confidence that you built and take it a little further. Because you know, how, you know that expression: half of everything is just showing up. Honestly, it's true that half of everything, at least, is introducing yourself to the right people. Mm. And once you start introducing yourself to the right people, you have that other quotient about these days: it's not what you know, who you know. It is what you know, but it is increasingly also who you know when you're looking mm -hmm. at jobs these days, because like they're saying, most jobs. You know, something like 90% of jobs are no longer put out, you know, for public applications. Oh, it, people's, internal. People have bigger circles now. Because it, it's always been that people like to hire within their circles. Mm -hmm. But their circles used to be smaller. And now with social media, with LinkedIn, with whatever, with you know, everyone has a bigger circle. And so a lot of jobs are filled before we as public ever hear about them. Yeah. So... 
I can see that. But anyways, back to, you know, that one job I was doing and, you know, that that went really swimmingly for like two years to the point where I'm used to it. I'm not going back to no call center office, you know, even if if it was a great job, I'd be like, oh, really? Like getting up, getting on a bus for an hour or driving for it? Like, nah, you know, I've seen a better way. Yeah. And so I was really right. Like, and plus the 30, you know, the discount that you, you the advantages on your taxes, all the different benefits to working Mm -hmm. from home. And, um, but I was still, you know, just generally still entry level, right? Even though I worked for this one company for two years doing the same thing. But then I started selling myself as it. So I looked, started looking for just job, telemarketing or customer service or market research or any kind of phone job because at that point that was my comfort level and it was, that was one of the only, you know, one of the things you could do easily in a phone line at a long distance. And I just started looking for ads. They were not thinking about working from home because that was a really r- rare thing in those days. And I would just look for ads that were looking for telemarketers. Now, if they had a call center, they weren't going to do it. Obviously, they have a call center in a process. But I was looking for the small guy, like the janitorial guy who was looking for clients or the small, you know, the mom and pop that was looking for caller. And I mentioned the janitorial. One of my, my next client, I think, that's where I started thinking client, um, was he had a small janitorial office company. And he was like old school. This is, I mean, now I laugh. That's how I started my business career. But literally cold calling from home. He wasn't looking for anybody to do it from home. He had a little office. But I pitched him on how good I was. Because I, you know, here I'm passionate. I'll do this. I'll do that. Just try it out. Try, said all the right words. And he agreed to try me out for a few days. And then I made sure to get great results. And why not continue? Then he started to see the benefit. That went on for years too. In fact, right through you know, the time I had um, that I got pregnant. And so I didn't have to quit my job when I got pregnant. I just kept on working and kept on working. I was pregnant up to here and I'm working when I feel like it, not working when I don't feel like it. And then when I had the baby, obviously the first few weeks, it was like, okay, I thought I could keep that up, but you know, not so much. (laughs) Yeah. The timing was never right in the first couple of weeks. Right. But very quickly, I was able to pick it up again and I had a son, you know, a little baby kicking around and he would sit there with me while I was working and, you know, I would just time it like, oh, it looks like you might be tired, you might cry, I better get off the phone quick, you know, because you didn't want anyone to think you're working from home in those days. Yeah. Now it's more accepted. Back then, you know, you had to sound pro all the time like you're in the office, mm-hmm. right? Were you on the phone most of the time? Most of the time, yeah. It was almost like, it was, yeah, telemarketing essentially. It was mostly 30 calls a day mm-hmm. or an hour. Yeah. Just repeated phone calls, you know, and it, yeah, for a long time. It sounds like you mentioned that your husband has kind of been on this journey with you. Can you talk about that too? How has his uh, path followed or been the same or different Right. So in the early days, when we first got married, we both had a, he had a radio show, like a college radio show. And I went on that. That was our activism work that wasn't paid. Okay. So we were always doing advocacy work together. That job where we started the union, he, that was a part-time job. Um, we both, no, I had, I, it was my full-time job. And then he was on the evening shift. He took a second job there as a part-time job. Okay. He was off doing like entry-level finance stuff in another, you know, different thing. And, um, but that was his part-time job. So when we were deciding to unionize it, he was, you know, right there with me, active as Dave, the way we'd done the radio show. So that's how that happened. But then he went off. He was more often, he had mostly, he was mostly in the office until two years ago. And then two years ago in my business, which is now international award winning PR firm, got to the point where I need to hire people. I was, and also I need a back end and I need something to do with finance because I don't know how to do it. I literally had to like, you know, kind of get him away from that. So, you know, I have to hire a stranger or you're going to have to quit your job. And actually, because my thing that I built is not little anymore. It's not just me anymore. Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, so then he came and now he works from home with me. But for most of the time he was out working in the office. Okay. 
how has the adjustment been for him? Can you speak for him? Yeah, I think um, I think he likes it a lot, you know, like because he there's always frustration with office jobs, you know, when he it wasn't our company, right? So as even when he had you know great positions of responsibility nationwide, there's still processes and procedures and other sometimes that don't make any sense or whatever that you know you would like to when you're a strategic person and a thinking person and a man you know that kind of minded person, it's frustrating to work in things you can't change that are ineffective. So those kind of things always annoyed him. And, you know, when now we're able to, like, instigate our own processes and things like that. So, and he's got, I've got an office down here, which is the biggest office. I, I chose it first. It's in the basement. Right now you don't see, but there's a fireplace behind me. We're doing renovations. So there's a nice office here. I could do a little fireside chat. I picked the biggest room with the, you know. And then he's got an office upstairs, which is in our living, more of our living space. But it's a smaller, like, a, a bedroom that he uses as an office, second bedroom. So we've got different spaces in terms of, I mean, he's probably... 15 feet away but it's up there and over there yeah and when i need to do a podcast when i need to go and do quiet writing when i need to i also have a second workspace i set up in the living room so if i need to be near the door to hear a courier or my daughter's visiting and you know i want to talk while i work you know that i can sit in the living room but if i need to come down and get serious right and office office i have that space i feel that it's been really helpful for me to have I don't really have a second workspace right now, but just having other places. My husband has a work desk in our bedroom that sometimes I'll kind of take over when it's um, when he's gone. He only has to yeah. go on site like every four to eight weeks. It just depends on who's on call kind of oh, thing. So you guys both work at home too? This year, yeah. I've been working from home for 13 years now. I, this will be my 13th year. And he has been just one year and I guess um, 13 months now. And they're they're talking about possibly giving the option of having a more permanent uh, remote work option um, for some people, and uh, they're going to be taking surveys and thinking about like what that might look like. Even if it's like an eighty percent or a fifty percent type thing, he would be on board. He would say, even if I could go to the office one day a week, that would be fantastic, as long as everyone else was there, <laughs> so that they could like collaborate and actually do the team building things that they need to do. You know, as far as like on those days, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But he, if he could do, you know, eighty percent at home, he would he would jump on that. And it's funny because now, obviously, you know, everybody's doing it, right? <laughs> you know, welcome. <laughs> but it's funny because <laughs> all this time, it's funny because people have always been like, "Oh, you're so lucky you work from home," and I and I am because I have. I mean, I, I to me, it's perfect. But I always have said, not it's not perfect for everybody. Not everybody can do it. Number one, a lot of people really miss the social. Yeah. Me, I'd rather I have a lot enough social. If I want social, I can get my Facebook open in the corner. If I want to, you know, I don't need that social of people beside me. I need to focus on the work and get it done. It's already feels like there's enough, not enough time in the day, mm. you know? So I don't need to go, but some people need that space. They, you know, that's a real big, important emotional uplift for them to get out of the house, go there, meet, you mm -hmm. know, some people are into that, but not me. And, but most people who always wanted to work from home, I was also saying it, but this, it's also a skill. And you have to be careful because you have to realize you're at home and you're working and not get distracted, not allow other people. In the old days, like now there's more understanding of it. But again, even 10 years ago, when I would say I was working from home, people, and that was when I was scheduled, like I had to log in. Yep. I wasn't yep. owning a company. Yep. I had to log in and report hours mm -hmm. and, you know, and people just knock at the door. Oh, hi. Oh, I, like they think I'm home. And I was like, no, no, you have to, and what are you doing? It's one o'clock on a Friday. I'm working, yep. you know. Oh, like they do all, every every time, you know, mm -hmm. they didn't really think that you're actually working. He's like, no, no, this is actual work. I think that there's <laughs> you know? a misconception um, that, 
you know, all work from home is the same. And like you're describing, some people are literally like on the clock. They had to punch in and punch out and take a break, a scheduled break even, and, you know, report to their supervisor. And, you know, they're having their productivity monitored and how many calls and, you know, yeah. everything, you know, very monitored. And other people. That's how it was when I started. Like yeah. other people have way more flexibility and time and freedom as far as like where they can work. When I was working for Mayo Clinic, I had to be plugged in to my router with the ethernet. I didn't get to take a laptop, you know, anywhere. Um, I couldn't work from the coffee shop. Like so many people think that you can. So there's definitely, uh, you know, a very wide variety of jobs from work working mm -hmm. from home. And it sounds like you kind of run the full gamut now. Well, not anymore. I mean, now, like now I'm living the entrepreneur life and I'm like for the last few years, I've been that high powered executive. My calendar is hugely scheduled. Yeah. So now it's funny, right? It's funny because now I'm back to the hugely scheduled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because now that I think about Double. it, it's a totally different way. Oh, my God. Because at the beginning, it was freelance. I'm like my boss is breathing down my neck. Do you have 20 calls an hour? Why don't you have 20 calls an hour? What are the results of each of those calls? You know, where you had to have the report, you had to, you know, and then I had some when I was I started out when I was starting to do some freelance stuff I was doing um uh what was it called Elance then I think it's called Upwork now oh yeah and so you have to log in you know hours right same as that like log in mm -hmm. time tick 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 the clock's ticking you go to the bathroom you log out you know there was all that really schedule and then I got to a point where no I just started taking on clients from LinkedIn or people that knew my work and would meet me mm -hmm. I charged them a monthly rate so now I'm not on the hour at all because they're not even paying an hourly so I'm not having to keep a record of each hourly all they care about now is results at the beginning of the month I said I'm gonna get you these results and this is what you're gonna pay me for those results and they're like sounds great so as long as I get those results nobody's questioning yeah. right they don't care if i get two hours or 500 hours as long as the agreed upon rates are you know would you say that's more like a salaried situation um it or never contract. yeah no i was never on a salary though and it was always very casual but it was more like i instigated that and i think it's a good model for freelancers because then it's up to the hour the time, basically how good you are how quick you are how much like say you're a writer and you happen to write you got it all up here you know your stuff you can write an, an 800 word essay in 20 minutes is that of less value should you be paid only for 20 minutes than the person who spent an hour and a half researching because they don't have no idea about the topic and they you right. know what I'm saying so you're paying for expertise. you're paying for the thing so I started saying once my reputation started to be where they would you know like well, actually not even my reputation once I started it was both at the same time once I started getting away from the, the headspace of asking someone for a job and started thinking about offering a service I started saying hey you know what you should pay me this and for that you're gonna get this 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 and this you could even do that for telemarketing you could be you know what why don't we talk about this instead you know I'll get you how many whatever results for whatever and then you know yourself whether you're gonna hugely undercut yourself doing that or whether you're going to actually make a lot of money. Like with, now at the point where I am, international award-winning publicist where I have literally relationships with all kinds of editors, with all whatever, things you can't buy your way into. But things, I don't take somebody on as client unless I have an idea. Oh, yeah, I know what I could do with them. I know I could write an article with them here that my editor over there will take because they do this. I could do this. I could do that. So before I even take their money, I know three things I can do for them. Those three things may take me an hour to start the process and then maybe another hour and a half 
each as, as I cook, connect them with the reporter and blah, blah, blah. So then for three hours work, they've got six pieces of media. None of their business how many hours that took because that result is worth way more than they paid. You know, so I start, but you can use that with any model. Like as soon as you have the confidence yeah. in yourself as a service provider and get away from that hourly, you know, it's a really good way to think about it because also then it gives your client the confidence because they know you're not going to be running over all kinds of time. They're, yes. Everyone's results based in the end of the day. Everyone's results based when they're doing their analysis and their ROI and all that. So if you tell them that, you know, if you ask them $500 an hour, $20 an hour, but there's no context to that. Like, what are you doing for that? So right. it doesn't really matter. Wipe that off the table and say, like, listen, what is it that you need? I'll tell yeah. you what you, you tell me what you need. I'll tell you what I can do it for. And then hopefully you're not undercutting yourself in the first month or so. You might be like, oh, my God, that was way more than I thought or, you know, way more work than I expected. My experience with Upwork was short. I did a few jobs, uh, ghostwriting jobs. And what happened with that was uh, you basically have two different, like, I actually was on Upwork as not only a freelancer, but also as someone who would hire. And you can see it from both directions, but you can either agree to do a job for an hourly rate, or you can agree to do a job now for a set rate. And I agreed to do a few, like a, a ghost, I think I was writing an ebook. And it, you know, when you start to think about, and some people charge per word, you know, like I am charging, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, six cents a word or nine cents a word or something like that. Um, where I found myself, you know, because I was new to it, I was taking longer than I would want, would have wanted. And I found myself getting paid only like three cents a word for my first job, but that was a learning experience. It was kind of like my training and getting my feet wet. So I can see that being something that as you grow into it, that you can get faster and faster. And that set rate. And you have to really, really nice start way. to know, like it worked. I mean, like I yeah. said, I wasn't doing that model when I was doing, you know, well, I did a little bit on Upwork, you know, like when you mentioned that it was mm -hmm. like that. But in terms of, I didn't really get the confidence to be like, no, you know what? This is what I charge. This is what I'm going to do for you. Do you want it? Until I, you know, started like getting the kind of media that I'm getting for my work and all that. But again, I didn't do that. I, that all happened because I started, I'm a publicist. So I know how to yeah. put myself out there. Right. So if I have a right. success, I know how to, uh, how, unlike most entrepreneurs, you have a success, you just put it on your wall, you don't know how to advance it. I know how to incorporate that in your bio and tell two people and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the right person hears and you're up for an award. And, you know, that's all, that's how it, it takes to amplify your voice. But so, yeah, so in my model, it was easier to do that. But honestly, if, if you think about that as a freelancer, Right. That's an important thing. And also just because I, I found pricing was one of the biggest challenges in building my business because we're all afraid to lose that client. Yeah. You've got 20 years of, you know, connections that you're bringing to the table and, you know, you can pull together something in maybe a few hours or a few days that would take the next person two weeks to do, I'm assuming. Exactly. Yeah. Because well, of all the work done before, right? So. Yes, yes. It all builds on itself. Mm. Let's change gears a tiny bit. I want to go back to when you talked about your husband moving home, working from home, and he's got the upstairs office. How did that discussion go for you guys? How did you decide who was going to be in the basement and who was going to take the oh, smaller office? And did you um, want to work separate from each other? 
Yeah, well, I mean, and you know, it's funny because we used to have, and we used to, and I guess we weren't working back in the day when we used to have a shared office back about a, a decade ago. When I mm-hmm. I was still working from I was working from home in those days. I was working for a ISO company at that in that time, doing telemarketing calls to their okay. clients, or you know, like not cold calls, but calling. Oh, you need to update or whatever. And so that was my job at home. And then right next to me was my, my husband had a day job, like so he was off in the day, but yeah. right next to me, like literally two feet from me was his computer and so when he'd come home in the evening he'd be sitting there I was only working in the day in those times because it was day calling so I'd be working in the day but then at night we'd both be sitting there doing our advocacy work our unpaid advocacy work together within a foot of each other for like a year a couple years that was always you like that that always went fine yeah we never I don't remember any issues with that or anything and we had a giant big office in those days and then um how did it happen here here I think yeah, here when our, our daughter had moved back home, she's 28 now, and she'd been, you know, moved out and then went to school and back for different reasons, and, you know, and uh, at one point she had moved back home, and we had tenants down here, and so we'd only had one office at that point, and it was, and you know, it was up in that room, and I think we both sort of worked out of it, but not at the same time, because he was mostly not at home working in those days, right? Right. But at night, he'd be in there doing whatever, and I'd either be there with him, or I'd be in the other room of the computer in the living room, because I would be talking with the kids more, you know? And then um, once, when we had tenants down here, so when my daughter moved back in, she took that room, and then we just had the living room, and nobody really had an office for a little oh, bit, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but th- and then, but the very, I guess it didn't last very long because very quickly after that, at that point we had like three tenants, in different rooms in the basement. When we first moved in, that's how it was, this place. And we just didn't disrupt anybody. And as people left, we were just like, hey, bye. And so okay. as one person, you know, as one person left this room, we were like, oh, good. And my husband suggested, you should use that for your office. And, you know, because it's on the head of the company. It's my company. I started the company. I have all the right. files. I have, I do most of the podcasts. So it was never a competitive thing. It was always just, mm-hmm. you know, and by then he, you know, he had that room back there so we could keep it, you know, whatever. And I moved all my stuff here specific to the company. So I moved all, you know, other, like only company stuff, not our advocacy work, not okay. our other stuff, only business stuff that I want to be around me here that's specifically to do with this endeavor and sure. my clients, not our other TV stuff or, you know what I mean? So yeah, so we moved everything down here and I'm in the middle of you know, revamping other rooms. So right now there usually is a bit of a storage area behind me, but normally this is like got all, you know, got all the client stuff on the walls and all the projects and I can have a chair. Someone can in non COVID days, somebody can actually come in and look at what I'm doing and, you know, do a live stream with me and that kind of thing. You really got my curiosity up when you said that there was a time when there was no office do you remember? Yeah, what I'm you trying did? to think. Remember how that worked? I guess I was just—I <laughs> definitely wasn't doing podcasts in those days because that, I remember that, that would be so hard. Yeah. But I do remember going out. I guess I probably was in the summer, you know, or when it was nice. Because I actually now that you, I'm trying to remember how that worked, and I'm and I'm thinking the only times it was probably problematic because most of it would be computer work, right? So yeah. Whatever. Okay. It's not. But when I needed to do phone calls, so that would be. Um, and I was thank God I wasn't doing three podcasts a day, but just phone call, conference calls. I remember doing it. I was doing a bunch of them outside. Now that I think of it, sitting outside at that, which I don't do now, like on the back, the back deck. It's a nice little table and chairs, and yeah, sitting out front and having business calls out there. Right. So I probably went out there to make sure that my son didn't come running in, going, "Mom, mom," <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sounds like you've been in this home for a few years now. Has it been five 20? years now? Yeah, five. Five okay. years this place. Yeah, 
Yeah, and before that five, yeah, no, we've been in, um, since I started this business, we've lived in three homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before that, we were more permanent, but we ended up having a bigger place that we moved to a place that we knew was going to be temporary while we were figuring out, were we going to stay in Toronto? Are we going to buy again? Mm-hmm. You know, what we're going to do? And then Hamilton ended up coming up in the middle of that. So we ended up coming to Hamilton, whole new thing. It's only 45 minutes west of Toronto, but... I looked up a little bit before we got on this call. Um, I found a little video. It was like, I don't even know. I think I just Googled it. <laughs> Hamilton, Canada. Because I... I Ironically, I'm from Minnesota. Like we border Canada. I'm. From oh yeah, South- you're not far. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, but it's a, it's a little embarrassing. I've never been to Canada in my life. I've been to Europe. Yeah, well, I've next time. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, you know what though? You know, it's true. Like I was saying the same thing. Now through COVID, I'm like, oh well, you know what? If they don't open the borders up pretty soon, and I don't mind even when they're open, I just don't want to deal with all this testing a million things and being yeah. stuck somewhere. And it just yeah. seems like a nightmare right now more than a fun, right? But once all that's over, so I'm thinking while that's over, maybe you'll actually see Canada because it's funny because when I was in. Um, Los Angeles, I was like, oh my God, look at the mountain. Now I see why they say it's awesome. It actually looks awesome. You know, I was in Santa Monica looking at the mountain overlooking. And people were, and I'm like, I've never seen the mountain. People are like, you're from Canada and you've never seen mountains? I'm like, I'm from Ontario. It's not a way <laughs> on the opposite side. It's literally as expensive to fly from Ontario to British Columbia mm-hmm. as it is to fly to Europe. So we um, all, like I said, I went to, I've been to Europe. I've been to all, all over. But I haven't seen the East Coast, like Newfoundland, whatever. It looks like they got mm-hmm. some neat going on there. Like, it looks like Ireland or something. Never seen it. And then they got the, and do you know what I just learned about Canada that I didn't even know? There is a place that's literally right off the coast of Newfoundland. So I shouldn't even say it's Canada because this is apparently not Canada. There's an island called Saint whatever that is actually a French, like France, owned by France territory that uses the euro where they have a, a member of parliament in the European parliament. And I had never heard of it. Apparently it's like 20 kilometers from Newfoundland. It's not even a thing. Either. Like, I like what? So now I really want to go. It's only small. It's like a little island. And I don't know how that happened, but I like Google it. There's Google like French territory. It's Saint something in, and it's just crazy. So now I'm like, whoa, I really want to check that out. I feel like there's some of that happening down in the uh, Caribbean as well. Because, uh, you know, there's different territories and things like that. And yeah, yeah like, there's I a lot to learn about America. World. Or like Guam, yeah, like I just did a podcast in Guam, and I was Googling and going, where is that? And it was saying it's the Americas, but I'm like, yeah. wait, I thought it's it was territory. the South Pacific, and I'm like, it is. So it's like that. It's like, it's like Samoa. There's yeah. these weird little places that mm-hmm. are like, not the places aren't weird, but I mean, there's these little places that are like separated from yeah. whatever is their colonizer or whatever their it is. Their mainland, so. for sure, yeah. Yeah, anyway, strange, eh? But yeah, so don't feel <laughs> bad. There's all kinds of, I haven't been all over America yet either, but we do have some pretty neat stuff. April, so you should come up here one day. I'm a little bit curious about the weather in Hamilton because I'm from southeastern Minnesota, and I know that Canada kind of dips down, you know, by Toronto and everything, down by Michigan and everything. So yeah. are your winters, like, do you have, like, We're lake effect same. where you have? Uh, yeah, Hamilton is pretty much like, uh, it's pretty close to Toronto, you know, when Toronto is, I don't, uh, it, like, they related to Chicago, but less windy. I mean, we're just yeah. northeast, you know, we're... It's not like the Arctic, but it's pretty yeah. pretty cold sometimes. Lately, I don't know what's going on because we had snow in April, which is not okay. My parents had snow today as well. 
<laughs> what is going on? It's, it's, it's normal. It needs to stop. <laughs> it's not right. That's why I moved away. I'm actually in Arizona now. I'm, oh, I'm oh Minnes- nice. I'm Minnesotan born and raised. Uh, for 29 years, I lasted. And then I was like, I'm out of here. I was and, at the Grand Canyon last year. Oh, yeah. It's so different. It's like, I feel like I'm in another planet living here. In Even the just desert. the West. Yeah, the whole West is with me. And do you know, I'd never seen, only in movies, because we were driving from Vegas, not driving, you know, we were in like a tour thingy, right? Driving from Vegas to um, the Grand Canyon. Yep. And so there's hours of desert. Mm-hmm. And even just like the the, the kind of the, the plants mm-hmm. and like the mountain not the, and the hills. And then all of a sudden there's some dark hills that were like, what is going on? Like, it just looks totally different, you know? Yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I've seen this in like movies about the uh, the west you know like yeah. it's a totally different place and then you get to the grand canyon and you're literally like like your eyes can't process it if people no. haven't been there nothing you've ever seen in pictures or movies about it i don't care what movie or film or how you're just like oh that's nice but when you actually see it your brain is like like I was sitting there staring at it for like however long, and I'm just like, it, it feels like you're looking at Mars, and you actually think, what did people think when they discovered this? And you know, they were walking along, la la la, and they saw, like this, yeah, you know, fantastic. It's just like your eyes can't process what you're seeing because you're just not used to. It looks otherworldly. It really does. I, you're talking about the mountains, and the first time I ever saw mountains was actually in Belize. I was 14 years old, and I took a trip with the church group and we went down to Belize and oh, cool. I had never seen the ocean. I had never seen mountains and it was like, and never been in the jungle. It was like all for one. But I think that's kind of how it is with traveling. Like you just have never experienced the jungle until you've been in the jungle and you hear the sounds and you feel the moisture in the air and yeah. it's just fantastic. But, um, so actually now was- I want to do that right now working from home <laughs> the way you say that you know people have that digital nomad life and i've never really mm-hmm. fully experienced that i have had the opportunity now to be able to work on the road a few times um but for so many years i was literally tied to this desk i was able to work from this desk or the one at you know the headquarters company in minnesota i was working at mayo clinic and they had like a drop-in desk that i could work in there but now it's like, you know, things are a little bit more free, like obviously not during the pandemic, but I'm thinking, you know, I want to bring my kids to experience these different things and I could still get a few, you know, hours of working on the road sometimes. Now that we have a hot spot in the car, I can drive around and use the internet mm-hmm. and do some stuff. So um, you said that you might want to try to see Canada. What would that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, well, just while, you know, because I got lots of plans for after the borders are open. Like, I've got Ghana waiting for me. I got all kinds of places to go. But for now, <laughs> Canada. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking I'm really interested in seeing BC because I've never, I've, the, again, the mountains were so amazing when I saw them in LA and I've never seen them in my own country. So, yeah, I should probably go to the famous Rockies in yeah. British Columbia. <laughs> and so I'd love to go out there just to BC and also Vancouver, which is, we have three major cities in Canada Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. Okay. I know Toronto very well, I know Montreal. But Vancouver, I've never been, so I'd love to to go and just you know I'm a city girl, experience the city as well as the mountains, right? And um, for sure, and also the East Coast, my which is a totally different thing. That's like a whole different culture too, right? Yeah, they all like they, I, you know, I don't want to do the accent, but the East Coast and East Coasters that I've met here, they are a different world, breed too. So kind and friendly and welcoming and best friendy and like just literally, just literally a different breed. Like in that, there's a famous story about you know I get this one nine one one when 
plane crashed or something. And they, they made a film or a movie about it in places. Yes. But a whole bunch of East Coasters brought everybody in who played, like, hundreds of people got, like, brought into people's homes. They would have 20, right? When the plane... Was it called something, about. like, Away From Here or... I think that was it. Yeah, something, something like close. that. That was that rings a bell. I was supposed I to think go. That was it. They actually were performing whatever that. Oh my goodness, it's, it's about Newfoundland, Newfoundland, right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, Newfoundland. Yeah, and they were performing it here, where I live in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area. They were going to have um, the performances here in June last year, and one of my clients, oh, wow. I teach English um, in uh, like mainland China, is most the majority of my oh, wow. clients are. Um, one of those ladies just said, you've got to see the show. It's so, so good. And I was like, I looked it up. I watched a whole bunch of previews and I got really excited. I was going to buy tickets and then the pandemic, of course. Yeah, so, of course. So you know what I'm talking about though. So that's what the East Coast people are like. That's not a surprise because they're very like, like that, you know? And then also they have, if you ever Google it, I don't even know if it's Newfoundland or Nova Scotia, but if you Google like the East Coast and the, by the water there, and they have, it looks like a little fanny, like a little fairy tale. It's little colored houses, all different colors, like little fishing. Yeah, it just really, mm-hmm. it doesn't look, doesn't, I like places that don't look like everywhere else. Yeah. And it looks like going on the East Coast is like a whole different experience. They've got a lot, you know, Irish influence too and so it's a whole different experience there than the rest of Canada so to go east west and then you know maybe the border can open up and my right. kid really wants to go to New York he's never been to New York City yeah and he loves you know subways so that's his big thing about New right York. so and my thing... daughter wants to go to New York before she has a kid so oh that would be she's good. pregnant right now so she's better to hurry before she gets like super <laughs> pregnant and yeah we're like counting will the border open before she's like i'm too pregnant to travel <laughs> right <laughs> you know? when i uh talk with people who are not from here uh, especially my my clients and um in asia they always are interested in coming to see the big cities new york and la and maybe chicago like you know you mentioned the three big cities in canada we've got the three big cities here and that's what people seem to want to see and i'm like there's so much more to see i said if you want to see those cities plan some time and do a road trip and drive you know get in a bus or take a tour yeah, or you're rent so a right. car. i mean like last year i even went to like in 2019 i brought me to columbus ohio mm-hmm. which was not on my bucket list yeah. it was not a place i ever thought but certainly columbus we had such a good time in columbus mm-hmm. there was such to see we met all kinds of really cool people the, the nightlife was really cool actually the people was super friendly like and we don't have to say Torontonians are unfriendly, but we have a reputation for being unfriendly <laughs> in terms of big city people. Yeah. And I don't, I never think so, but until I go to other cities and I see that people are just like, eh, you know, even New York City, people from Toronto will be like, yeah, they're really friendly there. You know, people are like, what? But New Yorkers are rude. No, but they'll also, they're friendly, but they'll also tell you this, you know, <laughs> they talk to you. Uh-huh. Torontonians are like, what? You talk, you talking to me? <laughs> Not sure why you're talking to me. Because <laughs> it was so reserved. Not me. Not everybody. But we have that reputation of being more reserved, you know. Whereas in other places, they just taught you know, this conversation start. But yeah, so I got I loved Columbus. I loved, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, these are the freedom that you get from working from home, right? And honestly, mm-hmm. as you develop, I, if, honestly, I would like to really impart people, though, because my journey was, went from that service provider, like, you know, employee to starting to think of myself as a service provider to that to doing really well as a service provider and then people started telling me you really need to make this a business and i was like oh whatever because you know i'm really good at what i do but i didn't know anything about a business and then i finally did a general partnership for five years until people started to tell me you know you really need to up your game now again you're again you're kicking way above your weight you know general partnership in canada and you have international clients in la you're traveling you're getting these awards you need to incorporate to be on that different level right so then i got 
comfortable with that idea. But I'm still basically me, still essentially me doing all the client work. Right. I'm now with thinking about how do we make that jump to start because I would love to create this life for other people and start becoming a job creator because people need jobs. Number one, everyone's working from home, right? Yeah. And I, that's always the concept I had is I would want people to do the same thing as me. But I then I've been nervous about how do I find those people that I trust. And, like training people or bringing more people into your team to do the work that you're doing so that you can be more of a leader? So both, really, because, I mean, my work has transitioned so much as my reputation has transitioned that I'm doing so many podcasts and panels and speaking engagements. But now I'm starting to think that on the other – and not just on PR and media anymore, which lately – like I started by doing podcasts and panels on how to build up your brand, how to get in PR, how to, I mean, how to get into media, how to build – you know, get the media attention, which I still do a lot of. But then it started transitioning into people looking at my success and how I develop this, talking to me about business and entrepreneurship and genuine authenticity – so all of a sudden, you know, that's what I'm talking about now, which made me realize suddenly, hold on, I've just developed a second career. Even though I've been doing this all for free, these are just podcasts, because I was thinking about them as building my PR yeah. brand. What I've actually done now, if you Google my name, is there's 200 or whatever, 150, whatever it is now, and I've lost count, hours of me talking about all these things, wow. which means on the other side of things, when stages open up again for events and conferences and all that... Just the way I can send my any podcaster usually now I send my resume to because I have a wide audience. Any anybody where your audience is an entrepreneur or whatever, I have a message for. So and the more I do, they all build on each other. It's clear that I'm an expert. So sure, come on mine too, mm -hmm. right? So the same way that podcasters are doing that now, when I start sending that out to the people booking those paid speaking engagements yeah. on stages, I could end up doing more work talking about what I do than actually doing the PR. Okay. In which case, I don't want to abandon all those contracts yeah. and all that work I've done building my brand. Did you pass it off? To, you know, I'd like to have, you know, I never thought about selling him. He's got my name on it. I would keep it and keep overseeing it mm -hmm. and still do some client work because there's always producers I'm going to get excited about. Mm -hmm. But I'd also love to train new people, yeah. have new people. And they don't have to be five-year publicists. I didn't go to school for it. People with a passion for it who are smart and trustworthy and strategic and, you know, freelancers, right. <laughs> people who are doing what I'm doing, what I started doing. So you've mentioned a few times that you're doing a lot of podcasts in a week. I think at one point you mentioned that you've got like three a day sometimes. Twelve. Yeah, twelve coming up next week. Oh my it's goodness. Crazy. Now, are you doing these, uh, are any of the podcasts your own or are you just coming in as a guest with lots of other people? Those are all guest appearances. So, We're only now talking about developing one. Okay. so Like I need another thing. You've had a business, or you've had a passive radio in the past. So you're just, you're comfortable on a microphone, yeah. on camera even. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I just go with it right so we were talking and i think all oh, but that's part of what i teach people though you all sh everybody should be because everybody who's taking money for something you're experts in your field just that same confidence you have to take the money from the client to do the good work you know you're going to do mm -hmm. understand yourself as an expert too is part of what i talk about a lot and then you know find those opportunities to to speak as an expert or to blog or to guest on podcasts and build that own your own reputation for thought leadership as they say so you're saying that you're doing the podcast basically for free you're as a guest to build your own brand but then you said but it leads to paid speaking engagements or does it also give you stages to sell from 
And yeah, absolutely. I've just found it hugely effective. I was initially thinking of podcasts only as another media opportunity because mm-hmm. I'm a media girl. Mm-hmm. So TV, radio, newspaper, magazines, podcasts. It was literally just another thing to get your name out there, media. And then I started doing them as, a, and you know, when I started doing them as opposed to my clients just doing them who are creatives or whatever, but doing them with a strong business to business service message, right? Not thinking about advertising because I don't even do advertising. But I started seeing how powerful it was for marketing, especially in the age of COVID now because of networking it's i'm sure yeah good for marketing but huge for networking because every podcaster or 90 percent of them are building their own brand that's part of why they're doing their podcast so you know if you're if you're going in there with something that can help them build their business which is what they're actively doing and most of their listeners are doing it's a different audience than just the radio and tv so it's it's much more become a huge networking and marketing thing so yeah i was just thinking about it as you know because i know entrepreneur you know i'm, I'm in there on all the pod match services and everything pitching my clients and then i started to see all these entrepreneur ones and i i just know how few entrepreneurs have an understanding of this as opposed to marketing mm-hmm. they understand advertising and marketing pr you know, building their brand with media is literally a blind spot. So I was like, you know, I'm going to start talking about it. And it's really fun. And then what happened is podcasters started hiring me too. Like six podcasters have hired me. Two podcasters have recommended me to other people. And then plus people have contacted me. One author literally contacted me from New York. And she said, oh, I heard you on a podcast you were on last December. I don't even know which one. And she said, and when you said your vibe attracts your tribe, I said, yes. And I knew I had to call you. (laughs) And then she contacted to be on LinkedIn and then she hired me so yeah I've seen real results that I wasn't even looking for I was just thinking and then it's only since then that I've realized I've done all these I'm like realizing whoa now I can literally now my resume for speaking on things that people pay big money for like leadership entrepreneurship you know all those things like I'm speaking now nobody can deny that my reputation for that is as big as good as my reputation for PR and for the work that I was doing because now you can see I'm an engaging speaker. You can see the things I've spoken about. You can see all the recommendations or all the positive words podcasters have said and their listeners have said after hearing the segments. You submit that in a nice little package to the people choosing speakers. Then all of a sudden, instead of doing PR contracts for 3000 5000 a month, I'm doing like my clients, charging 5000 a month for a speaking engagement. Oh, no, sorry, 5000 a day for a speaking engagement, then going home, and I don't even have to finish doing any more work. I'm done. I fly somewhere, talk for the day, over. <laughs> and then I can just do the contracts that I really want to work on and let other people build their, their brands and have opportunities to be freelancers, to be to work at home, and to build you know the same kind of life that we've, we've been able to build. So Get out of that mm-hmm. race. So we, we, I started this podcast without ever having had been a guest before. And I would recommend that anyone who wants to be a podcaster, start guesting first. Um, We met each other through the service, um, what is the service called? Matchmaker Matchmaker, FM. And I have had, I think I'm looking at a list of some of my guests. I think I've probably had six or eight of my guests I've met through that. And it's kind of like, a dating service for podcasters, but not dating, just trying to make connections and find people. I mm-hmm. usually do a keyword search looking for people who work from home um, and come up. But a lot of times I can't even tell from the description. A lot of people like to hide that information, actually. And so I have to ask, do you actually do this from home? And I can't remember if you reach out to me or if I reach out to you first, but somehow we found each other through this uh, 
connection. Yeah, I think I reached out from you and said, I, I, I sent you my regular little bio. Then I said, I do this from home. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I was like, well, let's let's chat. So I think that getting to be a guest uh, first is a really good idea. Podcasting has a little bit of a learning curve. Um, what would you say... Let's talk about this for a minute. Since you do so much of it, do you have like podcast equipment or what are you using? Um, yeah, I don't really have. I just really have. Well, right now I'm using um, a gamer headset because yep. I had originally bought another headset, which I thought was for like 40 bucks, but I thought wasn't working. But it turns out I was probably just not working right. <laughs> so I went, went and bought this one for like 60 or whatever. And it's a really good one. It's got, as the, long as it's got the glowing buttons. red sides and it's Yeah, and it's like... Yeah, it's some it's some gamer thing. But you know what? You see that I'm red. Everything's red with me. Yes. Red. I'm known for my red. And so, really, true confession, the headset was red and black, and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that's on brand. That you know, it's so funny that you said that. And I will make my own confession. Actually, red is literally my favorite color, and it's my other oh, it's my yeah. other color of my brand. I have right now teal and red. But my couch is red. I think I've owned three red cars. Like I just am really drawn oh, to red. Nice. So when I saw you with the red lipstick right and the red everything, I'm like, oh, she's she's a girl after my same style. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah, that's all. And I mean, usually when it's not like right now, we everything's closed. But normally I have the nails, you know, all done with the red. I can't do it myself yeah. properly. Red with black mm -hmm. tips. And, you know, right now I have just red, but I usually have red with a black streak. Ooh. So, yeah, my my whole aesthetic is super bright red. You see, and even this, the red. Yes, you see me yes. turning red and black. My clients are like, and then I went out to meet one for lunch a little while ago, right before they do the latest lockdown. And she's like, you and your red, you're always... And the next day, she she started messaging me because she's got a brand called Blue Skies Life. And, and so the next day, I, I know she went out and bought this really nice, like exactly to the color of her logo, fancy chair. Mm-hmm. And then she and she was in and she and a little teal jacket and I was like, "That's my girl." <laughs> <laughs> now you got to do that's it. But it works honestly. It does work. I hadn't even thought about it consciously at first. Mm -hmm. I just you know sort of and I noticed pictures of myself now three years ago when I was like I always had, I've had the red hair for twenty mm -hmm. years, but you know I guess well, I, three, three years ago I went like almost fully red and black. I started like getting rid of things in my closet that just don't yep. resonate. You know literally. Yep. And now it looks funny to me when I see pictures from three years ago. Everything looks great. But I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? What am I wearing? That's blue. It's strange. <laughs> you know, I was wearing blue in those days. So it's always like, sometimes I'll joke around. I'll be posting. It's like signature color or obsession. We're not sure That's anymore. <laughs> accurate. So uh, does it does it help your brand? Do you think? Does it help people recognize? Oh yeah, you? for sure. For sure. And I'm in a PR and media too. So like, you know, even people see these now, I've gotten, I can't even buy these anymore. Can't find them. I'm really mad that I didn't buy five. But as soon as I started wearing these, all kinds of people on my page were like, oh my God, that's you. And I got to, you know, wear that. And this artist I know started doing a picture of me that she said was, you know, so yeah, I have all the, my, I'm just known for like red. And it's funny because I didn't even know at all, you know, but if you Google the meaning of colors and stuff, it's hilarious for publicists because red is obviously power right? color, but it's also look at me, mm -hmm. attention getting because you can't be, you're not shy, which again is perfect for PR. And then black, you know, that streak of black is authority, 
and gravitas as well. I mean, some people would say dark and macabre, no, but also it's authoritative and gravitas, mm-hmm. which again is perfect for the right. publicist. So I'm like, look at me, but listen up because I'm telling you something. You know what I mean? It's like, and I didn't even know that, but it's a perfect, you know, for my logo, it's kind of harsh. So I hate when, because I notice I see, and I, I love it because it's my red and black, mm-hmm. but I hate that, you know, in, a lot of fascists yeah. and stuff like that use red and black for that. And it always made me mad when I see that. I'm like, oh, because then, Oh, you know, that's yeah. not right. I'm reclaiming yeah. it's bright red with the authoritative black. But I don't like when I see a lot of times that those colors used in, you know, the incorrect connotation. So I actually have red glasses. Oh, look at and that. Very cool. I have cool. two pairs of exactly <laughs> the same pair of glasses. And mine, and I mentioned this, I think, when one of my, this is actually my blue blacker, my blue blocker pair. Um, so they kind of have that blue sheen. Ooh, and cool. then I've got the ones that don't have that. So because I don't wear contacts very often. Ever actually, so I've figured it out. I might as I might as well be consistent. Um, yeah, I've never worn contacts. My eyes were always great. Yeah. It's only recently now I'm uh, getting old and my eyes are. And so I was like, oh, glasses really? And then I found these, and now I almost never take a picture without them. I'm like so into the part now. of your like, look. You know, they're literally like the style. You know, my husband at first was like, oh my God, you're going to look like some 50s church lady. I was like, shut up. They're wonderful. And everybody online likes them. So he's come accustomed to it. You're wrong. So if you were to go down the road, you've got your headset. If you were to go on a vacation to, say, New York or to see the country of Canada, would you take your stuff with you or would you schedule yourself a real vacation? Could you pause everything or would you need to just take it on the road oh i take it on the road i was in a month i did a i actually i don't think i took my headset though but maybe i should now that now see how important it is with when you know usually zoom or whatever i just click off my phone but um yeah i i do it from hotel rooms like i was in montreal in november doing with nice and actually i thought I, we booked a hotel for new york for march thinking that we'd be able to go but i knew when i booked it it was probably gonna be canceled like i was booking in january going maybe and they even said they were gonna up you know give me a better room and all that oh i pulled the pr thing and they were like yeah but i knew it was gonna be and of course it came up and i canceled but i was picturing you know, i was booking all my podcasts so i would have you know this beautiful background do a lot of your podcasts use video uh, the ones that I do, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems a lot of podcasts. Are, I'd say nine out of ten of them are using video now because they YouTube, right? They always want. That's what YouTube. I'm doing. I mean, I know that some of my listeners only have heard my voice and haven't seen our faces, but I do have a video. I think all but one of my guests have been on camera with me. One of them wanted to go for a walk, I think, and chose to use a a still photo, which was totally fine. Um, I understand that some people want to have a little bit of. Uh, you know, more freedom like that. But uh, let's go to now. What is what is working from home looking like for you right now? <laughs> you know, when I heard about entrepreneurship, once they say, oh, it's great, you know, you can choose which 80 hours of the week you want to work. <laughs> and I would say it's more like which 150 hours of the work. But luckily, I love what I would do. And I like I literally have 30 something clients now across industries. I'm always working. If I'm awake, I'm working. You know, today I'm like, oh, wow, I only have five things I've got to do before the end of the day, Des. But that's like, <clears throat> usually I'm juggling a lot more than that. This is like, and then we threw this in know? on top of it. <laughs> 
But usually it's funny because I don't know why the last few weekends it seems I have no podcast schedule and I, I'll do anything on any day, but I guess I'm just scheduling them by people's calendar. I guess most podcasters aren't doing them on the weekend because my uh, two weekends in a row now, my Saturday and Sunday were almost completely mm. free in terms of calls, which is great because then I can get all the other stuff done that isn't scheduled. Like my Monday I have, I have one day next week where I have like three podcasts and a pre-call and I just sit there and do them though. I just, I just literally put it, that's the thing, like you said, I'm so comfortable at it now. It's like a phone call. Yeah, I don't have to prep yep. up where people are like, "Oh my God, I've got a podcast today," and I see that in my client. They're like, "Tomorrow's my podcast," uh, and I'm and I know they're like, but me, I'm literally like nine, I, I, going to bed at two in the morning. Okay, what's on the agenda for tomorrow? Eleven o'clock podcast. Uh, I better set the clock for ten thirty, <laughs> and I'll literally get up at like ten thirty. I'll slip into my chair, yep. you know. Okay, let's right. go, <laughs> and it's just a conversation, right? Because I know my stuff and. We're talking about what I do, so it's not. You said that you are working if you're awake. Now, how many hours a week are you working, and how many hours are ideal for you? Do you love working? Yeah, well, it's hard. Like, it's really hard to separate because it's not the old days when I was doing. It doesn't even feel like work. It's not like I was doing the, when I was doing the telemarketing. Okay. Like now, I'm doing things where I thought of the strategies and I'm excited about them. And my client, either my some of my friends or my my friends hire me, you know, because they see my work. So it's projects I like, or I mean, really cool projects, or you know. So and, and because the time is like there's no there's no I should actually start a work diary where I know exactly how many hours I'm working a day. But pretty much like from the moment I wake up, the first thing I do is look at my phone, you know, to see what time it is. And then I'm already, I'm not even out of bed before I'm checking my everything. I'm checking all my messages, my Instagram, my WhatsApp, my the people message me across things. Just a quick two minute thing before I'm even in the bathroom while I'm pouring my coffee. Make sure everything's okay. No, just nothing, you know, no, no, because sometimes I'll be awake and sleeping at 11 still because I was up till four in the morning working in Africa. I've, I'm across time zones, right? So I'll be like, okay, everything okay? I'm literally, I'm waking up to the morning, starting my coffee, already working, just making sure there's no fires or what I have to do. You know, so I'm already answering stuff. I'm literally already starting. There's no, and then at the end of the night, I'm still working at three in the morning. I'm still, I'm at my computer doing, you know, other stuff's going on. I'm talking, if my daughter's over, I'm talking to my daughter, but maybe I'm sending a press release where it's just a cut and paste now. I'm sending a hundred or, um, you know, it's, and my work is so varied it's it doesn't feel like I'm doing the same thing all the time like one at one hour I might be writing something the next hour I'm having a conference call you know on a completely different project the next hour I'm talking to my client who's a one of Africa's biggest broadcasters about three TV shows the next time I'm talking to you know this guy that calls me the other day for the one projects from old projects that was one of Canada's biggest Canada's biggest broadcasters like our MTV that I used to watch on TV for years and now in the middle of a random work call he's telling me all this you know dirt basically about you know what it was like back in the day and those stations and all those people and I'm like oh really that person always seemed nice to me when I watched him on TV mm -hmm. and they, you know they were out they were out of the picture before I became a publicist so I only know them as a you know oh no they're out. so yeah so but that my work is like that, you know, so it's literally, it's not like it's, if the, if it was the old days when I was doing telemarketing, I would want to kill myself if I was working the number of hours right. I'm doing now. It's a different but, kind of work. You know, once you get to the point, yeah, when you're doing something, when you got to the point where you actually love and you fell into it and you're, it's a different thing. It is less separation. I'm actually, actually passionate about all of them. So I, I'm happy to get to my desk in the morning. And it's it really sounds weird. like you like the variety, like you enjoy the Absolutely. switching because that keeps you moving it's not like you're just in this drudgery this long haul yeah for sure 
And actually, somebody was asking me for tips on productivity and keep how to keep yeah. doing things. And I was saying, I don't know if that works um, for other people, but what really works for me is like literally, I have a list. And you know what this is? When I get really happy, when I cross things off, yeah, crossed off these are my other things. And so I, I, and I'll do it by the hour. Like I'll literally set like okay, and, that, and obviously there's an emergency that someone has, but otherwise I'll be like, no, for this I'm going to do one solid hour for on this uh -huh. project. And I'm, I'm almost betting with myself, okay, what can I do in this? What can I get? Because I only had an hour. I only got an hour. Make it a good hour, you know? And then when that hour's done, you know what? Okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to get myself a cup of tea. I'm going to smoke a joint. This is Canada, you know? <laughs> Whatever I want to do. Um, and then I'm going to come back to it. Not, no, I'm not going to come back to it. I'm going to come back to my desk, and I'm going to do the next thing. And then I'm going to do an hour on a completely different project. And then by then, you know, it works really well, too, because, you know, you do the first hour, then you send maybe with my send the results to the client. They can evaluate or whatever. While they're looking at that, I'm on to something totally different. Now I get, you know, blah, 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 and I do that for that after an hour's over go to something different. So it never feels boring. It's always, I'm never looking at the clock waiting for it to be done. I'm always more, oh shoot, I only have five more minutes to so do this. So it sounds like you, you do know? pretty well with plotting out your schedule and also keeping track of the, take, taking note of the time, <laughs> keeping track of the time. Yeah. I, I, I found that's the best way to be like super successful is to be uh, too many clients, too many. I wasn't like that all the time before I used to sort of take things as they come. The top email would be what the one that would get the attention. But then, it, you know, I have too many high profile projects and too many things, like too many mm -hmm. moving parts to do it that way. So I just know at the beginning, like I know what has to absolutely be done. Things can't, you know, that have to be done. And then, you know, obviously those things that I can't always stay with that hour or whatever. Some things are time sensitive, something. But for the time when I'm just sitting there at my desk, I have like five hours to get stuff done. Instead of being overwhelmed that I have all this stuff to do. And also if you break it down that way, you'll get a little done yeah. in everything. Right. And so you'll make the way I found is, you know, and I, and I mean, it depends what you can do as long as you're effectively working. If you're really working for an hour, you'd be surprised how much you can you can accomplish. Right. And so in that hour, I do a little bit there. So I, I get a little bit done on every project. So I've gotten a start on everything. I've got something to show okay. every client instead of getting all caught up into one thing and having four things overwhelming me still. Now instead, no, look, I've already set that up. I've set myself up for success here. I've started this. I've got that. Okay, tomorrow I'll do a little more, you know, so, and if any client comes in, I can report to them what I've done. They can be like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. They can also, from their perspective, if it's, if it's on the wrong track, they have an opportunity oh. then to tell me so I'm not wasting right. their hours and their time. They can be like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know what? Oh, that's great. I hadn't thought about that. Why don't you do a little more mm -hmm. of that? which they'll often say, and then instead of me, my second hour would be different than I was okay. thinking for them. So let them have some feedback. And so, yeah, there's way, you know, like, in, and it works out for everybody, I find that. And it obviously depends what kind of project you're doing always, always, right? But that could even be the case if you had three different telemarketing projects or three different I didn't get a projects. very clear uh, picture. Can you just describe what your format looks like as far as, like, are you using, like, a printed calendar, like a daily uh, sheet that you're filling out, or how does that oh, work out? Um so for my calendar, like this is my to-do list and I, I do everything okay. on paper also. I also like to have it on paper where I'm looking at it and I physically mm -hmm. cross it off. But in terms of my appointment, that's, that's more my to-do, like things I need to do, like jobs yeah. I need to finish, things I want to put, not, not so much like appointments. My call, my appointments are like okay. Google Calendar. Yeah. And then lately I've started using Calendly, but most of the time I'm using yeah, other people's yeah. Calendly. You know, for podcasts, mm -hmm. podcast guests. And all but then that. it populates so, yeah. into your own Google so, Calendar so you can see it all at a glance. Yeah, yeah. 
and it looks crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like it. <laughs> hey, um, can you talk a little bit about how things have changed over time? Like even like just how you sit at your desk or what you have as far as equipment from back in your remote, remote work teleworking days for the call center to now, like what have you purchased for yourself versus what have you been given over the years? Oh, um, well, yeah, now I get all the, ch- I mean, like now in terms of, okay, for, in terms of physical equipment now, like I have the computer and I have the best, back in those days I had the crappy four-year-old little tiny phone that was broken and looks horrible. Now I have a nice phone, you know, I have, when I need it, when a computer went a little, I like a desktop still, I have a laptop, but to, but to be honest, I really prefer working on the desktop. I take my laptop when I want the freedom right? to go somewhere else but if i'm just sitting in my office i prefer the desktop for the i don't know the ease of the of the cutting mm-hmm. and pasting copying i don't know i just find it i still like my formal yeah. workstation the keyboard um, it sounds yeah. like um but yeah you know what i mean and then now and of course i have all the you know the cameras now i have all the um but more a lot of subscriptions now you know, the, the way I work are more than the physical stuff. So a lot of things like like the matchmaker and the podcast and the, all those things for my clients to mm-hmm. connect my clients with things. And then, you know, the DocuSigns to sign documents. And the, I don't even know anymore. The LinkedIn monthly in case I need to email somebody. And so there's a whole bunch of, you know, Microsoft, whatever. And <laughs> so all those kinds of things. And are you finding that it's just easier to do all of those on your computer versus like on your phone? Um, yeah, a lot of them. I mean, I still have, I have the apps for a lot of things because I still have to be portable. You know, when I do travel, I have to have everything, you know, at hand. But, um, I guess my combination, my day is probably both. I sit here and work on my phone with, like, like in concert with my computer. So I use my phone for all the Instagram. And if I'm going to make an image, I use that little yeah. Instagram, whatever it's called, to make an image. And then I use that image uh-huh. everywhere. And, you know, so I probably unconsciously use this, like, I use them kind of in concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ideally. I got you. What about... But I mean, I want to be super portable. So I mean, I'm going to leave this desktop at home. I'm going to take my laptop and my phone and I'm going to go to a beach. And if I'm only working at 80% capacity, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so how I'll many hours sacrifice. of work are you working right now in a week? I would say it's probably like a good 17 a day. Okay, so say 17 a day minus like an hour and a half where I stop and I, or two. Probably working like at least six. Probably 80. working like at least easy 15 hours a day. Easy 15 wow. hours a day. Wow. I know. When you think We've about it like that. have got grown children. But it's like. Yeah, my son, my son's almost 18 now, and he'll come and tell me when it's time to, to sit down and okay. watch The Simpsons or Family Guy or something, and he will tell me, before we start, like, put my phone mm-hmm. away, like, he'll be like, no, 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 like, away, he's like, I'm going to take mm-hmm. your phone, and I'm like, well, can we just put it over there and charge it, so, you know. And my daughter will remind me to eat. She's a, she's pregnant. She said to me the other day, you know, if you don't start eating before four o'clock, because I, I, I'll wake up at like 11, I'll run right into a podcast. I'll be doing, like today, like I still haven't even eaten, have a oh real meal yet. And it's eight o'clock. And my daughter says to me the other day, if you don't start eating before four o'clock, I'm going to go on a hunger strike <laughs> and I'm pregnant. No, no, and no. I got to start. I used to not pay attention, but I know I used to not pay attention, but now I realize mm-hmm. that I'm older, like you actually have to regulate the times you eat and all this yeah. actually matters and that yeah. you sleep correctly. These yeah. things actually matter. So I'm learning that and trying to apply them. <laughs> and all my clients tell me this. They all say, stop, go yeah. to sleep, yeah. eat something. <laughs> no, I feel you. Um, you know, cause so. sometimes if there's something that's in front of you, that's interesting. You know, I, I've talked about this a few times before, but I feel like I probably have undiagnosed ADHD 
um, just based on some of the things I've talked about with my friends who do have ADHD, um, that ability to like hyper focus mm. and then like the super distraction, you know, the, the ability to be super distracted yeah. <laughs> and like the, the desire for a lot of variety and also talking so fast. Like all these things are kind of like, oh, I probably do, you know, have some of that underlying there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think probably, and also, um, I think my son and my husband are both brilliant, and my daughter too, brilliant. But they're also my my son is diagnosed okay. autism spectrum, and my husband we're ninety nine percent positive that he like positive, but he was you know he just didn't diagnose it in those days. In those days, they called it hyperactive and and intel you know whatever Gifted, brilliant yeah. or something, right? But autism and ADHD yeah. there's, they're different, but there's also a bunch of yep. crossover similarities yep. too, right? And I think too, I think I probably spectrum and also ADHD Hard and, to you know. know. Who knows? But whatever. Super successful people, you know, are all. Bill Gates is autistic, and my client, Dr. Ira Price, who's like a surgeon, he's like a doctor, he's like emergency room doctor, a, a brilliant, you know, whatever yeah. educator, and and a coroner, and he's he's ADHD, and he's always like details, Ira, details. So you know, every people can be yeah. hugely successful when you know what oh, yeah. you're. You it know. can really drive people to hyper focus on something so that they become very knowledgeable and skilled in that area too. Are you a reader? Exactly. Tracy? Oh Do yeah. Do you have any oh, yeah. books you'd like My to recommend? Uh, especially anything relating to working from home or this kind of lifestyle? Um, gosh, not really anything in particular. And that's definitely not, not about working from home. That's a good question. I wonder. Maybe productivity like or, you like know, anything that you'd recommend? Um, well, I, um, I don't read a lot of business books, but there is one business book. Actually, there's two I'll mention too. There's one by my client that I've rec mentioned a lot in terms of for, for business people. And it's, I'm not mentioning because she's my client because I have a lot of clients who are authors, like a lot. But this one in particular, it's called The 30% Solution, how product, it's how, not productivity, sorry. The 30% Solution, but the whole idea of it is how, I can't remember the tagline, but it's how civility, she's a civility expert, how civility at work is actually affects your bottom line in oh. real ways up to, and they've done like 30%. And the reason for that is in mm. retention of customers and retention yeah. of uh, employees. So that's a really interesting is book for Is it for managers? You know, be nice. It's for, you know, like, yeah, I guess it's mostly for managers, but also like she speaks to everybody, like in terms of her, like okay. HR yeah. and stuff too, like inter interacting with people and how you can, you know, all that. But it's just a good, that's more, I guess, you know, for yeah. In the workspace, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about working at home, but it applies. Um, another really good one is Dr. Mm -hmm. Howard Rankin. He's a, actually, if it, and I don't, he's got a million books you can look up. He's a client of mine too, but one, but check out his podcast. This is an interesting, I'll, I'll switch it to new media from book because his podcast, it, it puts in there, like encapsulates what all his 25 books yeah. are about basically, which is his podcast is called how not to think. Which is about yeah, like and he and he does all kinds of interviews with people, you know, challenge and talking about you know just breaking through old thinking or ineffective ways of thinking. And he's a wow. neuroscientist, and he talks about so he's a behavior guy as well. So yeah, he's really interesting for all of us to sort of think, you know challenge or check ourselves, and also to think about the greater world that we're in and you know how it's positioned and I might have to plug that things. in when I go for my next walk how not to think yeah it's an interesting one that's his podcast how not to think mm -hmm. Dr. Howard Rankin and he has a whole bunch of books on like all kinds of different topics from gambling to you know whatever on the neuropsychology psych, psycho 
right. I can't even speak that language. You know, hard science. And I, the brain. I really enjoy I, reading section. stuff like that. I've... Uh, a few books I've been reading, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, he always talks about like research and really interesting stories and he marries them together. And I'm like, I love, I like stuff. him a lot too. Yeah, um, exactly. What about people who are just thinking about getting started from working from home? Do you have any advice for people who are like, I I'm on the edge. I don't know if I want to do this or I was doing it. Um, I was forced to do it for a short time. Now I have to make a decision if I want to continue. What kind of advice would you give people to consider? Yeah, I think people, I mean, what, you know, if you're, you're, how you feel, number one, because some people, like I said, the, the, the minority people, and they're talking about them in COVID, and we're reading about them too, that are yeah. really excited to go back to the office because they're for some reason <laughs> that I don't understand. Because <laughs> to me, right? that's like my worst nightmare. So now I had to go back to an office one day. No. In fact, to the point where, like, I have an, an executive, an entrepreneur friend who's as busy as me. She's like, has tons of, com you know, customers. She had one of her 30 year customers, like forever, one of her customers she said needed her to go into the office and actually become Ooh. their cfo for a year she did not want to do it like she was like and people were like well you're crazy because they're going to give you a six-figure job and a car and a big vacation and i was the only person who was like oh my god mm -hmm. i totally get it because at the end of the day she still had like she had to stop what she's doing serving all her clients doing all that live the whole thing that we all do like i don't know how i don't know if you could give me like, how much money you'd have to i'm sure there's some i mean i'm sure it'd be stupid of me to say no to everything but that's how much money you'd have to give me right. you know as a yearly salary for me to actually it would have to be like 10 times more wow. than i'm making now mm -hmm. honestly for me to say goodbye to all mm -hmm. my clients and yeah. everything i've built Seriously, everything I've built to go into any office, mm -hmm. even if I like what you're doing, nine to five, Monday to Friday, we're working mm -hmm. less than I work now. But all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Everything else has to be, see, so that's because like, everything else mm -hmm. in your life has to be put aside now. That eight hours is that eight hours there somewhere else. You know, I can't, it's a, like, honestly, you have to probably make, I'm not joking. You'd probably have to make make it like ten times, five times at least what I'm making now. So yeah, we were thinking about last year about maybe when we started thinking about hiring people, right? Then I started thinking I don't want them coming into my house and getting it. You know, I'm not comfortable with that. So mm -hmm. then we started thinking about co-working space. Right before the COVID hit, we started looking. Actually, yeah. I actually had called a couple co-working spaces and priced them. And I thought, but I, I doubt that I would. I, I'm, you know, and then I might like if I had a, you know, they were nice and you know thought, oh, this is a nice space and they weren't far from home. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, this is nice with the coffee and you know um, my husband was saying he probably would prefer he said no I think if we had that I would go in nine to five he said he felt really? like he would work more effectively if he's back in that office space that in his mind he'll be like okay now it's nine o'clock I'm in my work time he's not as, as good at me as like being in the workspace Focused. when you're in the workspace you know what I mean yeah. and he feels yeah. but he's like a really effective worker he feels like if that was it that he'd be there and he'd be workaholic Dave over there mm -hmm. and also that you know but, but and I feel more like I would drop in and I would prefer to be the one that drops in and out of that you know I would only want it for the conference room I actually was literally like moments away from signing a contract to at least have like um, the monthly membership so I could have access to the conference room at the one that's a yeah, mile from I like the house. that too. The drop-in where you can use the desk if you want and have a meeting there. Right. Yeah. But I didn't sign the contract, thankfully. And I have interviewed a few people that have come from that workspace. And it's been a difficult um, thing because some of them, they, they didn't want to let people I out heard of that here this year a lot too. Um, yeah. From COVID. Yeah. Okay. So what if, 
this actually came up in like a, a woman's group that I'm like a mom supportive moms kind of group thing for people that work from home. Um, and someone was like, what would it take? Like, how much would they have to pay you to make you do your job from an office again? And people are like, Mm-mm, not enough money, no, nothing. But if you'd have that same exact job, but you had to do it from a 10 minute commute. Some people said it'd be $10,000 a day per week in the office. Like if they needed to be there Monday through Monday through Wednesday, they would need to have 30 grand U.S. dollars more in their salary just to do yeah. that 10-minute commute. And I was like, I yeah, can feel no, that. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny because people that, who don't have never done this probably listen to that. They're like, what are you talking about? That's just life. Like, how do you, how can you? But honestly, it's a whole different, you know, like to the point where honestly, like, even just the working for yourself thing and not even as a, under a business, but just the opportunities when you take it, you're not just working for another company. You know, you're contracting and have different opportunities. Now I look at the jobs that, you know, 10 years ago I thought were good jobs. You know, and I'm not like rich, my mm-hmm. arrogant, not, but I, I, I may, I can make more in a good year for sure than the best job that I used to look at thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. Right. I don't mean like, no, I don't mean a millionaire, wow. not like a hundred thousand every year, but I'm, I mean, like I'm talking about the good jobs, mm-hmm. middle-class jobs, 60,000, 70,000 year jobs. I can make that now, you know, and better. And I've done that in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. better than, way better than that. Right. But in the old days, that used to be nice. like, not long ago, that was like a, oh, wow, that's a really, and I'm, and I'm still saying it's a good salary. But now I look at that, I'm thinking, wow, that's capped, though. It's almost sad to me because you work, oh, you go to school for that, you do all that, and then you get there, you're at the top of your game in your business. Now you've gotten, you're making your, or not your business, but your career, you know, you're making that salary, the top salary, and then there's no more. It doesn't matter how good you do, how much you impress your bosses, how much you bring to the company, that's the limit. So that's the difference between being doing it, able to do it for yourself, when it's just, if I think of another strategy... I could have another whole income line if I think of another, if I meet somebody else and something else happens that I can fit it in. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Next year could be bigger than the last, you know. And that's only in money. I mean, I've never really been hugely money made, money motivated. It's only been the last few years I've started to think about this stuff. Before I was mostly interested in working from home so that I could continue to do the activist work I was doing, which, you know, I did 20 years of an mm-hmm. activist campaign that I started that helped free an innocent man from death row. So that stuff was Jimmy Dennis, if anyone wants to look that up. So that stuff took our a lot of our time, and we specifically didn't want to have to go into offices and deal with all this crap because I could stop at you know at, lun- at lunch and do that, or stop at you know when, you know what I mean. We could if I if I if somebody wanted to interview me about that stateside, I could stop and do a, a television or a radio interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the freedom to be able to work from home was always you know giant too, and kept me doing a, you know entry level job for a long time that I didn't mind doing because I was able to stay working from home, stay at that, te- I mean, te- telesales, right? Just the same job I did for years. And that's all I looked for because it let me, it did all, it checked all my boxes. I could stay at home. I could work yeah. from home. I could ha- raise my child, be home when my kid was there, you know, do my activist work. Yeah. So it reminds me so much of that movie and the book. I actually haven't seen the movie, but the book just. Yeah, and we, he, Jimmy Dennis, he was just briefly, he was convicted in 1992 of a crime that happened in 91 that he absolutely factually had nothing to do with. We got involved in 1998. We visited him on death row in 20. 20- Two, 2002 we ran the campaign for literally 19 years he was finally released in 2017 after 25 years on death row 19 years that we've been involved we still talk almost every day and he's a musician now so if you oh. google his name now you see some amazing r&b music he's making and getting some attention from the entertainment industry so that's a pretty crazy story yeah we're oh, like good. wow we talk now oh, we're like goodness. i still can't believe like i say to him you call me from a cell and not a cell 
<laughs> you know, four years later. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good story. Oh, that's actually wow. how I learned to write a press release, never thinking I would segue those that into a career. And then it was I learned to write a press with the 28th for Jimmy. We got all kinds of major media attention, got on TV, got his attention out there. And it wasn't until 11 years after that when I was 41 that I thought, wait a minute, I could probably make a, a take those skills and build a career on that. Not the death row stuff, but the, the oh, wow. yeah. messaging and media and learning how to deal with media and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was wondering how those connected. I yep. had a feeling they did. <laughs> That's how that happened. So, it's wow. a crazy story. That is such an amazing story. <laughs> wow. Well, how should we wrap this up? Do you have any final words you'd like to share with this audience working from well, home? Well, yeah. I always, I mean, just encourage people to do it. Just like, just keep, just actually do it. Like, I always like to, it's, I hate, I don't, I won't quote Nike, you know, just do it. But I like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Don't dream it, be it. So honestly, if you think you, I mean, you can, especially now, there's a million more opportunities since a lot of employers are, have opened up their idea, you know, eyes to working from home. So if you are disciplined enough, you really got to be disciplined to do it though. You have to understand that's work time, be passionate mm-hmm. about what you do and like use your time. If you're just thinking, oh, it'll be an easy way to work and I won't have the boss breathing down your neck, it's probably not for you. Because if you're the kind of person that won't do something, if the boss isn't breathing down your neck, then you're not really giving yourself any advantage to working from home. You won't shine. You want to make sure that you're going to shine, yeah. right? Because it's still about career. It's still about, if you just try to make a few bucks, you know, there's there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. There's all kinds of, you know, side hustles and everything, especially these days. And, you know, from Upwork and freelance and whatever, work, all those things to just, I find LinkedIn hugely effective, whatever your skills are, reach out to people on LinkedIn, you know, effectively, not like with a canned message, but just talk about what you do and why you can help them and, you know, build up. You only need one person to believe in you. Like if you're corporate now, but you want to work from home, you need to only get one or two people to believe in you enough to give you one of those small contract. And then you're doing it. It could be two weeks mm-hmm. doing it. Now look at you, you're professional, you're doing it. Just do it a little bit more and then, you know, keep on going. So if you were to start a podcast, what is, what is the theme going to be? Uh, it's funnily enough, we were just, my husband and I were just talking about it last night, and we think we're going to call it Disruptor Radio. Because we think that would cover, because the, the, I want to cover, you know, the business and, the, you know, the health people. Every, you know, every, it wants to be open after everything. So anybody doing neat thing, everybody doing cool and unique things that are interesting enough to, to be interviewed, you know. But it also fits for music. It also fits like for it. the music and entertainment side, too. Disruptor, you know, like action it's kind of fun like so would it give you a place to be able to interview some of the people that you're absolutely with yeah I, I, always yeah i was saying I, I think my husband will probably be doing i told him i want him to do the interviewing so it's not just you know your publicist interviewing you i want it to be like a little oh, fresh right but yeah. so he'll probably do the interviewing of all my clients and then i'll because he doesn't work uh-huh. on a one-on-one basis it'll be more fresh conversation yes than me asking things i already know the answer to you know like you know, and then, but then idea. also, I can, I'm plan to we plan to expand way beyond that, and and just because we have a huge network of not just our clients, but like interesting people that we know and meet more interesting, mm-hmm. fun people all the mm-hmm. time doing really neat things, and you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. So people have been bugging me to have a podcast for a long time, so I really should do it. I love it. Hey, uh, how can people find you? 
you have a few different things you've got up in the air. So what's the best way to f- people who might want to reach out to you to learn more about um uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I you. do work across borders and across industries. So anywhere where there's English-speaking media, I'm happy to help. So, yeah, for, I'll happy to do okay. a free consult if anyone wants to hear more about that. And also I help with cover letters if you're looking to get a, a job. I can also help you with that. Write a kick-ass cover letter to, you know, get you in. Because I know I've realized some people aren't, you know, skilled with that. And they struggle with that kind of thing, too. So, anyway, Tracy Lamori okay. PR Media on Instagram, um, lamoripr at gmail.com, or you can uh, email me. So, uh, yeah, Tracy lamoripr at gmail.com is my email. Tracy Lamori PR Media on Instagram, lamoripmedia.com on the web. And it's T R A C Y L A M O U R L A M. Yes, just. For those who can't see yeah. your name right now. <laughs> and maybe you'll put it under all the right. show notes there. Well, <laughs> yes, it will be all over on YouTube and everywhere. So, well, thank you so much, Tracy. I think we need to wrap it up. <laughs> it's been so fun having you. I appreciate your time today. And I hope that we can connect yeah, thank again you soon. so much. Appreciate it, too. All right. Well, this has been April Malone with Tracy Lamori, And we'll see you next time. Take care.